Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Let's Ride. I'm your host, Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I hope you had a great weekend, and I hope this is kicking off your Monday with a phenomenal start as we talk about all the news that happened over the weekend and what it might mean for the black and gold as they continue to work their way through free agency, as they prepare for the 2021 NFL Draft, all of that and more on this upcoming episode of a lot to talk about. I'm really looking forward to this one. Before we get started, as I always do, I have to plug BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, not only because I'm the co-editor, not only because I believe it's the best Pittsburgh Steelers website out there, and yes, I am also talking about those accredited websites. I think it's better than the Trib. I think it's better than the Post-Gazette. I think it's better than the Athletic. Any other site you name, it's better. That's my own personal opinion. Am I biased? Absolutely. But I got to plug that. BehindTheSteelCurtain.com should be your one-stop shop for all things Steelers. Also, wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you follow and subscribe. Subscribe so that you don't miss anything. What we want and what we're really trying to have happen is we're trying to get our listeners, if you listen on iTunes, go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, give us a good comment. It helps with our exposure, and it costs you nothing. So please do that. Subscribe, follow, whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. That's not just my show, but that's also the live mic on Tuesdays. That's the Stat Geek on Thursdays and all of our PM content. That's great. You know what else is great? A couple things are great. First, I love when luck is on your side. And what I'm talking about here, when I say that luck is on your side, is it was Saturday night, and for some reason, I had some work to do. 
I was getting the open thread, our Saturday night open thread on Behind the Steel Curtain, ready to go. And suddenly, all of a sudden, Michael Beck, our deputy editor, host of several podcasts on our platform, sends a message on our Slack channel, breaking news, holy cow, Tyson Alualu's back. That is great. But what else is great is when the news breaks and you're at your computer. We were, as a team, because I had help with Dave Schofield, he was in the article helping me out, etc. We as a team were so far ahead of everyone else. Why? We got lucky. I was at that computer. I didn't have to get my computer, fire it up, get on the site, log in, all that stuff. I didn't have to do any of that. I was already there. And we were so far ahead. So we got a big head start on everything. I think our story had been on all of our social media platforms, and we were just raking in the page views. And then all of a sudden, my phone buzzed, and it was ESPN's alert. And I was like, ha, we beat it by like 30 minutes. So that was great. What else was great, though, is the fact of the story that I had to write. And that's none other than Tyson Alualu is back. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of this podcast, this story was absolutely crazy. You know, I've, I've been covering this Pittsburgh Steelers organization since Bud Dupree was drafted. That was my first NFL draft. I was hired just before that. And I've written about the team and I've followed the team my whole life. I've never seen a story like this ever. I've seen failed physicals. I've seen other things happen that might negate a deal. Never really with Pittsburgh, but you see them on the NFL landscape. You know, you hear about up a trade fell through because so-and-so failed their physical. Never something like this. So in case you didn't hear, let me fill you in. So Tyson Alawalu had had a verbal agreement to go sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars for a two-year contract. Now, this is where it gets a little dicey because I'm trying to piece together. I was told, or I read, that his family lived in Pittsburgh, but I also heard that they stayed in Florida, so I'm not going to talk about that too much. I'm going to leave that out of it. Nonetheless, Alu-Alu's getting ready, or Lulu, if I pronounced that incorrectly, I apologize, is getting ready to board a plane and fly to Florida. Has to take a COVID test. Test comes back positive. So that means 10 days. He's got to be at home, you know, isolation, 10 days. In that 10-day span, the Pittsburgh Steelers were heavily recruiting, heavily recruiting Alu-Alu to return. And from what I've read, the one who was recruiting him the most was none other than defensive line coach. That's right. You heard it correctly. Defensive line coach Carl Dunbar was the one that supposedly was really trying to keep Alawalu in Pittsburgh. I'm sure that Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, some other players might have also picked up the phone, sent a text, hey, man, if you're, th-, but they say it's Dunbar. Dunbar was the one. And all of a sudden, in those 10 days, in that 10 day span, Alawalu has a change of heart and he realizes maybe I. I should stay. Maybe I should stay in Pittsburgh. But not only does he decide to stay, he doesn't. Now, this is, all again, all reports as of right now. I have not seen the numbers. But as of all, everything you've heard is that Jacksonville was offering him more money. Same length of contract, two years. Pittsburgh had given him an offer. He turned it down to go to Jacksonville. He didn't go back to Pittsburgh and say, hey, if you can match this deal, I'd love to come back. No, he came back in Pittsburgh and said, I'll take the deal you offered, which was less than what he was going to make in Jacksonville. I mean, just incredible story. 
an incredible story no one, and I mean no one, in their right mind ever thought something like this could happen. Let's say the Steelers bring back Vince Williams on a cheaper deal. That's happened. No one's shocked about that. Jordan Berry did it last year. He got cut, and he ended up back on the team. Steven Nelson could even come back for all I know. I don't think that don't think that'll happen. I wouldn't bet anything on it, but it could happen. I've never seen something like this happen. A verbal agreement to sign a deal. Something keeps them from going down there. In this case, COVID. They don't physically sign on the dotted line. They change their mind to go back to the team where they came from. Just incredible. Just incredible. And just like that, snap of the fingers, it seemed like it kind of brought some life to the fan base. The fan base was excited. He was the one that when he was going to be gone, they were all just, oh, no, like, how does this happen? We expected Hilton. We expected Dupree to go. But how are they going to let Tyson Alu-Alu go? He's back. And fans were pumped. And that's what this podcast is about today. How Tyson Alu-Alu's return alters the Steelers' outlook. I think this changes three main factors, three main facets of the Steelers entering 2021, and just this one decision, this one get, if you want to call it that, for the Steelers makes it so much better. It really improves the outlook for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Let's get this thing started with the NFL draft. Bringing back Tyson Alualu, in my opinion, you may disagree, there is no need For the Steelers to look for defensive tackle or defensive end, the interior defensive line, or nose tackle in this draft, at least not in the early rounds. They can just take that and just say, we don't need it. We don't need it. They still have uh, Cam Hayward. They still have Stephon Tuitt. They signed Chris Wormley. They just got Tyson Alualu back. I keep on saying it differently. Um, they they still have Carlos Davis, draft pick from last season. They have Isaiah Bugs, a 2019 draft pick. They have depth there, not to mention players like Henry Mondeau. I don't think they need to address the defensive line. I think they'll be okay. But it goes more than that. I also think that having Alu-Alu back in the fold, it allows the Steelers to have more of a best player available approach. I, I really do believe that. Because when you think about Everything that was being talked about the Steelers when they lost Tyson Alualu down to Jacksonville, it was, oh, the run game is, the run defense is going to be even worse than what it was. And the Steelers are going to have to really consider how they approach this. Wormley's not going to be able to do the job. What are the Steelers going to do? Like, that was the big question. What are they going to do? Now, they have their main defensive front returning outside of Bud Dupree. Their front seven is going to all be back. They're all going to be back now, including Wormley, including Alawalu, Hayward into it, Watt, Highsmith. They're all back. And so I think this is, gives them a little bit of freedom in the NFL draft. And also, I think it allows the Steelers in the draft to be a little bit more offensive-minded. I'm not suggesting that the Steelers don't have team needs on defense. We know that they do. Inside linebacker, cornerback, outside linebacker are still team needs. But I still think that this move, this alone, makes the Steelers or allows the Steelers to think more about the offense, preferably the offensive line, in the early rounds of the NFL draft. All that just because Alawalu had a change of heart. But it goes further. Let's talk about the 2021 defense. 
Okay, we talked about how Alualu impacted the NFL draft approach, the approach to the draft. Let's talk about the 2021 defense. So, in my opinion, Alualu and Wormley both being back, it allows the defense, like I said in the last segment, it's it's basically intact. You're going to be without Hilton, you're going to be without Dupree, and now you know you're going to be without Nelson. But the interior of that defense, maybe you take away Vince Williams, I get that, but I think that Spillane can fill in. I think they have other other bodies there that can help. They remain largely intact. This should be a huge boost for the fan base, a huge boost for the defense, as they realize that the, the one unit that kept them in so many games, and, and I realize that the game against the Browns was in the in the playoffs was kind of well, they just turned the ball over so many times. I'm not gonna put that on the defense. Not that they played great, but I'm not gonna put that on the defense. But you have to understand that when these they get Alawalu and Wormley back, but mainly Alawalu, suddenly the Dupree and Hilton losses just don't feel like they're that big of a deal. Not that they're not going to be missed, not that they're not going to have an impact, and not that they're not going to have shoes to be filled. They will. They will. But at the same time, I, I can't stop thinking, man, Dupree and Hilton, it's just not that big of a deal for me anymore. Alawalu's back. I feel like this really keeps that front together and I think it keeps the defense as a strength, as a strength of this team. And when you look at an offense, it's going to be missing Marquise Pouncey. And who knows what the running game is going to look like? And who knows what Matt Canada's offense is going to resemble? And who knows what Ben Roethlisberger is going to be playing in terms of, is he going to be playing like an all-pro? Is he going to be playing like a Pro Bowl, or like a Super Bowl champ? Or is he going to be playing kind of like he was at the tail end of 2020? We don't know, but the one thing we do know now, in my opinion, is that the defense is still going to be strong. The defense is still going to be a possibility in regards to keeping games in check, keeping the Steelers within striking distance. This is a huge plus. And then lastly, I think the run defense. Everyone's concerned about the run defense. And I do think inside linebacker, they still have to answer some questions there. But ultimately, this run defense, I think it's going to be okay. I think the run defense will be just fine. I think that Wormley's only going to get better. You do have to ask yourself questions about outside linebacker, but the interior of that defensive front I think is going to be just fine. And when you see players like Cam Hayward and you see Joe Hayden and TJ Watt going on social media, just how ecstatic they were when they heard the news that Alawalu was coming back, that speaks volumes to me. That tells me that he might have been so much bigger in the locker room and on that defense that we ever gave him credit for. So it's good to have him back. All right, last part here. I said there were three parts that I think Alawalu's return really alters the Steelers' outlook. We talked about the draft. We talked about 2021 defense, and that's free agency. I think that the Steelers might be done now. I talked on Friday. If you missed that show, go back and check it out. What if the Steelers are done? Did they do enough? Well, clearly they they find a way, or I guess Alawalu finds his way back to Pittsburgh, falls into their lap basically. But I think the Steelers might be done. They might be done. And if they are done, if I asked myself the same question I answered on Friday and said, did they do enough? I would be more inclined to give a yes. I said no on Friday, but I would be more inclined to give a yes. I still wish they had a center. That's the biggest bugaboo for me with this team is that they never yet they haven't signed a center yet not saying they will because i just said they might be done now because the the, the money's running out 
When they get Alualu, their money's running out. But did they do enough? Did it change the outlook of their free agency pickups? I think it did. I think it did change that. People might have said, ah, they might have given them like a C or a B minus. I think when you bring Alualu back, it bumps it up a little bit. I'm not maybe going to give an A because they didn't have money to go out and get any big names, but still keeping him as a big piece of the puzzle. Also, if they're going to make more moves, and I, I hope that they do, if they're going to make more moves, they're going to have to create more space now. We knew when Steven Nelson was cut or released. We knew when they cut Vince Williams. We knew when they redid Eric Ebron's contract. All these things that took place, they freed up a lot of money. I, I want to say the number was just shy or just south of $13 million that they had. And I understand, you know, Dave Schofield talked about it on Thursday on the Stat Geek, where they need like $3.2 million for rookies. And then they're going to need... X number of dollars just to have on hand for players that go on injured reserve. They still get paid and things like that. So with with Alawalu's contract, even if it's minimal in year one, the Steelers are going to have to make more moves in terms of maybe giving someone an extension. Um, I'm not sure. You know, they just redid Ebron's contract. I think the only other player that's maybe they step on to it gets restructured and frees up space. Maybe they extend someone like Joe Hayden. I'm not sure, but if they're going to make more moves in free agency, they're going to have to create more space. And I really want to see the numbers on the deal. I want to see what he turned down from Pittsburgh and what we know that he was going to get in Jacksonville. What was the deal that supposedly, again, I don't know if this is fact, but from what I've read is that Jacksonville offered him more money. So if we look at the deal he had with Jacksonville, which I want to say it was like two years, six million. He was getting about a little shy. It's like two point five in the first year, something along those lines. Pittsburgh's had to be different. Had to be different. I want to know what those numbers are. But there you have it. I think that Tyson Alualu's return, just him coming back in that crazy sequence of events that took place to get him from COVID positive back to the four one two area code. It impacts just that one singular move. It impacts their the Steelers' approach to the NFL draft. It is, changes their entire 2021 defense and their outlook. And it also alters free agency and what they're going to do here in the second wave of free agency. All because Big Tyson is back in Pittsburgh. I think we're all excited to have him back. It's great news after losing all those players. It's great to get one back. But how about this draft? I have a question about the draft. It doesn't involve Alawalu. And it's should. Should the Steelers actually push away or deny or rebut the narratives around that surrounds taking a running back in the first round of the draft? Should they just say, you know what? We're not going to listen to any of it. I think they should. I'll tell you why. Right after this break. Stay tuned.
All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of this podcast. Let's ride every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. My ride or die crew, it's great to have you with me. I love you all so much. You're so loyal and dedicated. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be as excited. I wouldn't be as enthusiastic about these podcasts if it weren't for you all. I'm going to be. That's just 100 honesty. If if I didn't know that. I had such a loyal following that just enjoyed my show and loved to communicate with me on Twitter, which, by the way, if you want to follow me, you can, at jhartman underscore P-I-T. I'm not going to be Chris Carter, my buddy. I like to give him a hard time. He's like, hey, I'll follow you back. I'm not that guy. I'm just not. But if you do follow me and you ask questions and you want to know answers, I will always respond to you. So that there's that. I don't follow back. I'm not that person. But still, if you follow me and you want to know stuff or you want to communicate, I, I'm always, always answering questions. Heck, ask all the people that are always putting in questions in the uh, mailbag segment. So let's talk about this, though. The running back in round one. There's something about this. And it's not me. There's something about this. And the running backs in the first round, there's a narrative out there. There's a storyline that seems to be it seems to be being pounded in people's brains. You don't need to take a back in the first round. You don't need to take a running back early. You don't need to take a, and then they start listing off these players like Alvin Kamara, who were drafted in the later rounds. I mean, heck, if you look at James Robinson down in Jacksonville, who was undrafted and had a great rookie year. You know, the funny thing is though, is Art Rooney the second, he was spoke to the, the fan based in Steelers nation unite. They had a conference call on Thursday. And here's what he said about the running game. Quote, we've got to be a lot better in running. Certainly, we don't want to see the Pittsburgh Steelers being last in the league in rushing ever again. I think it's something our coaches are focused on, and we'll be looking for ways to improve in the draft. It's something we've got to fix, and we're working on it. End quote. Wow, that's great. That sounds great. Thanks, Art. We appreciate that. It's, it's, it's all, that's all smoke and mirrors anyways, but nonetheless, the Steelers have to change something. I mean, they have had some change. Adrian Clem is the new offensive line coach. Matt Canada, he's obviously the new uh, offensive coordinator. But what about the running back? You know, something has to change. The average fan, I think the first position they point to is running back. You want a better running game, get a better running back. But if you get a better running back, you have to have an improved running game in terms of the offensive line, right? That makes only makes sense. Depends on who you're talking to. But I think that when you look at the NFL draft coming up, there's three main names, three big running backs that everyone's looking at in no particular order. That'd be Najee Harris out of Alabama, Travis Etienne from Clemson, and Javante Williams from North Carolina. Um, I think at this point in the game, where we're only about a month out from the NFL draft, uh, we've all heard about these players, and we've all heard about the negative talking points of taking a running back in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, they're not worth the money, and you can find quality running backs in the mid-rounds, and you know these running backs rarely ever deserve to get that second contract. We've heard it all. But here's the thing. I still don't think that all those narratives, and people bring up, you know, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, they bring up Saquon Barkley as examples and say they weren't worth it. They weren't worth it. But I don't think those narratives and those examples should stop the Steelers from drafting a running back in the first round of the NFL draft if the player proves, and this is a big if, if the player proves to be the best player available when they pick number 24th in the first round. That's the key. 
If you're doing best player available and you think that this running back, whoever it is, Etienne, Harris, Williams, any of those three, and they're there, you take them. And why? Why do you take them, you ask? Jeff, why would you do that? Why would you buck all those trends? I'll give you a couple reasons. First and foremost, I think that when you look at the career longevity of running backs in today's game, it's not as long as it used to be. I think Adrian Peterson is kind of like the last of a dying breed of running backs that were effective really long into their career. Um, they, when you think back to the, some of the greats of the game, and I'm not going all the way back to Jim Brown, we'll just keep it in the modern era. You talk about Emmett Smith, bring up Jerome Bettis. I mean, some Barry Sanders, he cut his career short on his own. It wasn't injuries or anything like that. And these players played for a really long time, really long time. It just doesn't seem to be happening at the running back position. So with that said, you might be sitting there thinking, Jeff, you're really, it sounds like you're making the case for the other side of this. No, I'm not. If you take a running back in the first round, automatically you have his rights for five years. Now that fifth year is an option. We all understand that. But you have his rights for five years. So if you get a player that is transcendent, a player that's going to improve your offense from the moment they step onto the field until that fifth year option's up, think about that. You have five years. But even then, you want that player for a six year or you use the franchise tag. They did it with Le'Veon Bell. Now, he had to do it a year earlier. He was a second-round pick. He wasn't a pick in the first round. So the Le'Veon Bell situation, they could have had him on the fifth-year option, and then they would have used him for a – probably would have used a franchise tag on him. But you have to think about this. If you have a back for six years, so if you have the five years, the rookie deal, the fifth-year option, and then you also have that six-year, how many running backs in today's game are you still trying to keep around after that time? And even after that time, you have options. You have options. There's always going to be young running backs in the draft that you can take. And we have proven that, yes, some of what the narrative is is true. You can find good quality backs in the later portions of the draft. So let's say you get six years out of this player. You're not interested in signing them to a long-term deal. You're not interested in franchise tagging them anymore. You let them go via free agency. They got six years out of that player. Good job. You hope they were extremely productive in those six years. And by the way, if you're going to franchise tag someone, if you're going to use the fifth-year option, they have to be productive. You're not going to do that if they're not productive. And so if you get six productive years out of a player, At the running back position, I feel like you can then just turn the corner, get your next running back, and just move on with your offense, move on with your life, so to speak. You have options. Now, maybe, just maybe, you have a running back that is just really, really good. And if they're that great, and for six years they were that great, maybe you find a deal that is fair not only for the organization, also fair for the player, and you can stay together longer. I ask myself, though, because I think that the latest running back, I mentioned him already, that the Steelers would have had that would have fallen into this category would be Le'Veon Bell. So let's assume that Le'Veon Bell was a first-round pick. And Le'Veon Bell gets his fifth-year option. So his fifth year he plays. That was the year that he, he, he he played on the franchise tag. Then after that, the next year, now this is a year that in real life, he didn't show up. He didn't show up in 2018. So... That year would have been the year that they franchise tag him. My question for everyone is, is would you have wanted to give Bell a contract at that point? 
Again, if he's a first-round pick, you have five years out of him, use a franchise tag, six-year. Do you want to give him a long-term deal after that next year? And that's something that only you can answer. I can't answer that for you. Some of you might be driving in your car, getting ready for work, saying, there's no way I would take Le'Veon Bell with a long-term deal. You could tell that he was on the decline then. That's fine. That's your prerogative. Or you could be on the other side of the fence and say, let's not kid ourselves, he was still really good. And so we would want to keep him as long as possible. I can see both sides of that. But the one thing I want to make very clear here is that if the Pittsburgh Steelers decide that they want to take a running back in the first round of the 2021 NFL draft, I don't care if it's Harris, Etienne, or Williams. A lot of people think Williams is going to be there in a second. I honestly don't think he's going to get to 55. I really don't. I think if the Steelers want him that bad, they're going to have to take him at 24. But if they decide we're not going to take a center, We're not going to take a linebacker. We're going after a running back. If that's what they decide, I'm fine with that. But what I want to make very clear here is I want to make it clear that the Steelers should not be vilified if they decide to go with a running back in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked. And you shouldn't be shocked either. Because if you're listening to this, you're listening to what I'm laying out here. I'm kind of mapping out the career of a running back. This is barring injury, mind you. I'm laying out this career of a running back saying the Steelers could benefit from this. They could have this player in his best years, first six years, super dynamic. And then typically in the back half of his career, when he's probably going to be less productive or on the downward swing of his career, you let him go. You let someone else pick up the bill. They pay him buco dollars and you're now looking for your next back. And what is history proven? That's not that difficult. Sure, we can talk about a lot of other factors in this. The factor of who's going to be the Steelers quarterback after this year. How's that going to impact the running game? Are they going to be able to draft the linemen that are going to be necessary to block for said running back? We can talk about all of that. And again, I'm not saying I want them to take a running back. I'm not saying I predict them to take a running back. I'm saying that if they do take a running back, they have options and that should be viewed as okay. If they decide to go with a center, if it's the right center, I'm okay with that. If they decide to go linebacker, something like Zayvon Collins, I'm okay with that too. If they decide to go with a, uh, wow, let's say they get aggressive and do what Jeff said earlier and they go up and get a quarterback. I'm fine with it as long as that quarterback is a player you think is going to be the next signal caller for the next decade plus. Maybe though, that it could be any position, really. I don't think they need defensive line. I don't think they need um, safety. I don't think they need um, a quarterback if they don't have someone that they really, really want that has fallen that far. But still, there's a lot of questions here. There's a lot of questions, but I think the one thing that should not be questioned is what I just talked about, and that is if they take a running back, that gives them options if they take them in the first round. That fifth-year option is absolutely huge. And The new CBA, it costs a different amount depending on their success. So, for instance, look at the safeties that are up for their fifth-year option right now. Terrell Edmonds and Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick, his fifth-year option is significantly more money than Terrell Edmonds because he has been an all-pro the last two years and a pro bowler. So with each of those, he gets paid more. Edmonds hasn't sniffed either, so he's going to get paid less. So the more successful the player is, 
than the more that fifth year costs. But it's still going to be cheaper than think back to the Le'Veon Bell situation when after year four, they had to franchise tag him. He sat out training camp and then came to camp, then came and joined his team. And then also in 2018 when they tried to franchise tag him again and he didn't show up. Just saying, they take a running back. We should all be okay with it. All right, folks, that does it for me on this Monday show. I appreciate everyone sitting in with me. I appreciate you and all that you do for the Let's Ride Ride or Die crew and that community. It's a great little community we have, so check us out. We're always active on Twitter. We use the hashtag Ride or Die crew all the time. Make sure the BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And as always, wherever you get your podcasts, I don't care if it's Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, um, Pandora, Anchor, Stitcher, you name it. Search Steelers behind the steel curtain. Subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so you don't miss a thing. You know how we finished out here, folks. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great week. Have a good start to your week. See you on Wednesday. Take it easy. Go Steelers. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.